Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is your fearless leader, I am Liza, and with us on the cast today, uh, Bagel, you're keeping track, what uh, episode of uh, Corona cast is this? Oh, I believe this would be episode 14, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Jeez, 14 weeks. Wow. Well, there there you go. We've got Bagel. And the number is 4 to 14. Oh, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. We'll get right to that in a second. Yeah. And uh, giving us a new angle in his apartment. So we know he doesn't live in just a a tiny kitchen. It's Knock. What's up? How you doing? Motorcycles and Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, you got off the Percocet, didn't you? Yeah, I was off the hydrocodones a while ago. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on just edibles now. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was uh, some change. Yeah. How, how is it feeling now, Knock? You can actually lift your arm, right? Yeah, I can uh, put my arm at my shoulder height. It's just like, it's just the atrophy. And like, I think I've got another two to a half, three weeks until it's fully like solid bone. Like I'm like totally deformed though, you know? Like you love something so much, uh, let it deform you. And I'm like, I'm not a fan of Bukowski, but that's like what's happened, you know? So yeah, but I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I did a little renovating uh, in my, my apartment and I was able to lift stuff and I was totally exhausted after an hour and a half. Just like, you know, I'm, I was like barely moving 10 yards, like, you know, in the, within the vicinity of my home and it was just exhausting. But other than that, I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Good. Um, and then coming to us from his shed and watch out if there's a cat behind you. It's Jim. there's whiz one up there in the tires i will say yeah peace love and soul i'm doing great so yeah yeah i've learned to keep keep looking above your head because sometimes a cat will appear oh no it will i just heard something it could be a raccoon too i got them (laughs) nighttime thing now you got me looking you never know what's gonna land on your head and then joining us today a misfit for the day it's john hey everybody hey how you doing man Oh, hey! There it is. You've been whistling. You're official now. <laughs> I'm uh, rocking the appropriate shirt. Yeah, there he is. Yes. And so, well, now you got to now with knock here. You got to say, "Get well, knock." Oh, that's true. Get well, knock. <laughs> Thank you. Up and and uh, so, John, you got this. Was a little Father's Day weekend that you got, and it included coming and uh, visiting us and uh, being a misfit on the show. Well, thanks for uh, letting me uh, join and, your team for a short time. And who can you thank for that? I can thank, I believe, my daughter, Brianna. Exactly. She reached out and asked if uh, if you could uh, come visit and join us, and she put it all together. She was supposed to keep it a secret, but apparently she couldn't. She leaked it. Yeah, there was some <laughs> leakage involved, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so great for you to come by. And uh, tell us what you were writing today. 
today, uh, a Triumph Tiger 800. It looks like a pretty decent, legit bike. Um, the the Tiger, the 1200, it does look like a giant tank, but that 800 looks pretty capable of just about anything. And you're doing some touring on it too, right? Right, yeah. I've had it uh, since new in 2013. And oh. uh, to your point exactly, I used to have a big GS, and I was kind of uh, wanting uh, a capable bike but small. So, yeah, so you give the 800 your seal of approval then, huh? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's gone like 50,000 miles or so. Uh, it's Ooh. ridden three or four countries. Uh, it's, it's, nice. it's really great. Really happy with it. Hell yeah. What countries were you guys uh, going with it on? Well, North America took advantage of Canada and Mexico. It's been in Baja a few times. Uh, oh, yeah. A couple times. It's been a great bike, both on-road and off-road. We did some uh, dirt roads in Baja. You know, you Excellent. should take advantage of the opportunity to go visit another country right now and go visit chop Chop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where is really? Chaz? is it Chaz chop really? it got changed to chop is it chaz? <laughs> yeah chaz is now chop just so you know yeah but hey you have a country in our country you can go visit knock that one uh, they must have a sticker by now right Oh, for sure. They've got a uh, website. That's made up. Yeah. <laughs> They've got it's a website. They got, the got, whole, website. They got live feeds and the whole thing, man. It's wild. Too cool. <laughs> hey, and joining us, oh, looking all pretty, Miss Lydia Skidmark herself. It's Miss Emma. Oh, aloha, darlings. Hey. Hello. Hello. You hey, strong. Um, Nock, how are you doing, darling? Doing good. Um, was able, I was mobile and strong enough to do some uh, rearranging of the apartment and using power tools and cutting wood and stuff. Okay. So, yeah, I was exhausted by the end of it, but like, you know, I was, I'm more mobile now, so thank you for asking. No, you're, you're welcome, and you're able to go potty by yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I've been- important. I've been getting tired of coming over there and wiping your ass. I, well, I, you have a power washer. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> you have to stand that close. You know what I'm saying? Power washer and a wire brush. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Now, we've worked it out. We're, we are being safe and doing social distancing. He uh, yep. hangs his ass out his second floor window, and I just shoot through <laughs> the hose straight up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you have to wear a mask when you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you need lots of protective gear. <laughs> it's the exactly. size of a hole. My neighbors love it. <laughs> um, so let's go back to bagel. So you said four of 14. Does everyone else know what that means? Well, four, I do. Four to 14. What? Is the ratio. Four, yeah, four, four two, to 14. 14 is the ratio of running to non-running bikes. Hey, bagel, that's a good, right. good number. Oh, that that's right, be because um, you got the HE triple one running today, didn't you? Well, the, the 103A2, exactly. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my Heinkel lives again. Um, I just got it running uh, the other night and uh, took it out for the first time today. Cheers. And nice. brought it over to the garage. That thing looks like a prop from Flash Gordon. Pretty much, yeah. It is, it is very uh, jet age styled. And it's about seven feet long <laughs> and massive. Just it's the Heinkel what? Heinkel one one one? Yes. Uh, it's a no no tourist. <laughs> yes yes. That is, that's the predecessor <laughs> model. Oh, <laughs> this is this is the ground based version, the HE one zero three A two. Yes. 
No, the one 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 was utilized for dropping bombs on London, darling. <laughs> yes, it, it, it suddenly went out of favor. It is really rad looking. It's super cool. That's cool. Yep. But you know what? Yeah, What's of, even cooler? It sounds amazing. like my 69 VW bus. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's total German air-cooled sound. Nice. And uh, and this this was actually my very first bike. This is what got me started on riding and scootering and everything. Oh, that's cool. I have, to and s- I have to say, though, the exhaust note, it's a little throatier than I expected of a scooter. It sounds good. I, I yeah. totally want one of these. This is a beautiful piece of machinery. Well, you'll you'll want it until you ride it, <laughs> because it, okay. it, it really it really can't get out of its own way. It the best way it was described to me when I first started riding is that a Heinkel accumulates speed in the way that a savings bond accumulates interest. <laughs> so, so it, it has it has a top speed of about fifty five miles an hour, but it's a very comfortable bike. It has a nice big seat. It's it's a very heavy bike. Um, So so the 175 cc engine really has to work to get it going. But once it's going, especially on the flat, it'll just cruise all day. And and it's very, very cushy, comfortable, um, very nice riding position. I think it's Mm -hmm. worth noting here, Bagel, to explain that the bike was very much designed and built for a purpose. And it's a touring scooter, basically, to get around post-war Germany. It in just a very sedate manner, not using freeways. And it's mm-hmm. a great place to be if that's what you want to do. And if you flip cruise. it over, you can bathe in it. <laughs> it, is, like it is vaguely bathtub bath. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think it looks more like a, a, a 50s refrigerator <laughs> in, the, in the rear. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> Some of the side accents look like the door handles of a 50s refrigerator. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's, it's got really cool styling. Yeah. Um, and this, this was it. actually one of the very last Heinkels produced. Uh, I've only ever seen one with a higher VIN number than this bike. And that's uh, a 1965, uh, right when they were closing down the factory. Is this the one that you brought over to my house and we kind of TIG welded it up a little bit? Or is that yep. the new one? Oh, yep. okay. That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That's the same cool. one. So, and it's those, those welds are holding? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. Cool. (laughs) Thanks, man. Congratulations on getting another bike on the road. Yeah. Thanks, Liza. Um, I actually did some work on my KZ today. And Emma, you told me that it needed new exhaust boots. And you were right. Um, I pulled back the electric tape to find out that one of the boots, the entire lip where the carb attaches was missing. (laughs) The entire lip was gone. It was oh. a ragged edge, like like a oh, rat chewed it off. So it was really weird. Well, we all like living on the ragged edge, darling. Yeah. But, yeah. So how did you how did you fix that? Have you ordered some new ones? I or? haven't ordered anything yet, but I got it off. That's that's the good news. I got the carb out. I got the boots off, so that okay. I can start reassembly. You know, um, well, you know, what I, I found have a set of carburetors for that bike. What, Jim? I was going to say what I found strange about that bike, because, you know, yesterday, you know, we kind of went over that bike fairly well. Mm-hmm. Everything else was sorted out. No damage. Nothing messed up on it. Why car boots are trashed? That seems so weird to me. I have a theory. 
Yeah. Because, you know, I think that this bike sat for a long time, and that's why everything's in pretty good shape. What's the first mm-hmm. thing you do for a bike that's been sitting a long time? Cry? <laughs> Take the carbs off and clean the carbs? Oh, that. That's the one thing you're going to attempt. And probably mm. in taking the carbs off, because they weren't even really reattached, and everything, because it was so old and rotted, fell apart, and they just abandoned mission. That's my yeah. guess. Or maybe they yeah, or maybe they tore them when they were trying to get them on or off oh. and put them back on. The bike wouldn't start, and they're like, fuck it, just parked it or something. I think that's why How I got parked. How bad are they torn? Hmm? How bad are they torn or messed up? Oh, it's... The entire lip where the carb boot where the carb goes in is missing. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's- yeah. You know, back in the well, I mean, they still do, but the Japanese manufacturers always favored synthetic rubber. I mean, it's more of a neoprene because of its heat resistant yeah. capabilities, but it gets very, very brittle. It becomes yeah. like plastic. Yeah. Um, so you think I can get some new ones from Sudco? Yeah, I think so. But you're going to have to get clever with the measuring because they're not going to list them. Right. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go on to the Sudco yep. um, intake things for yep. the for the uh, Mikunis well, the, and just, you know, get the dimensions. That's, yeah, why, that's why I got them off. So Yeah, there's nothing special about them. Exactly. You know? But I will give you all a unique insight into Emma's mind. So I, too have a bike that's been sitting for 25 years and you're doing the carburetors. What does Emma do with a bike that's been sitting for 25 years? She restores the speedo. (laughs) Okay. So that is step one. That is a restored 1971 Triumph Trident speedo. That's because the very first job I've done. That's because for somebody like myself or for most of our listeners, I think the best thing to do is to make sure the bike will run before you invest more time and money money into it. But for somebody uh, who's as good of a mechanic as yourself, you know, you'll be able to make it run. So might as well just start from one end and go to, to the next and restore everything. And that's an important distinction because what, and we, we had this conversation this weekend where the real money is on uh, bikes, where the real cost of restoration on bikes is paint and chrome. Right. That's where you're going to spend just thousands on paint and chrome. Um, and rebuilding an engine, you know, it's gaskets and a few bearings. I can usually rebuild an engine, any engine, for way less than a thousand bucks, even a complex engine. Slide that mic closer to your mouth. Wow. Uh, How about yeah. that? Oh, yes. Okay. That's better. Yeah. Give me, give me a break, darling. I've only sobered up in the last hour or so. Uh. <laughs> I'm still nursing um, a very sore head from last night. Oh, God. Ooh, I want to oh, get to no. I want to get to some news. Uh, first thing, if you guys, if people haven't seen any of the posts I've been sharing about, but the my latest uh, venture, the Black Hills Moto uh, Film Festival, is happening. And uh, yep, there's he's Bagel's wearing the Santa Cruz Motorcycle Film Festival shirt that, that never happened because of Rona. Well, the yeah. Black Hills uh, Moto Film Festival is happening during Sturgis Bike Week in August, end of August. And this one is going to be online. And wait for it. Wait for it. It's free. 
That's right. Ooh. It's free. We are making this free. We are putting up three nights of films for you to watch free. This is our gift to the Moto community because this this year has been a crappy year for us. For all the yeah. events, rallies, rides that have been canceled, we're all kind of missing and need to get re reacquainted, reconnected with all things moto that we love so we are making this film festival free however you still need to get a ticket so you'll have access to it and if you go to revsisters.com that's where you can follow the link to the moto film festival and get your ticket and if you haven't seen on the recycle page um i made a nice little um uh, little trailer with a, a teaser with a bunch of the yeah the films that are going to be that, featured. By the way. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so get excited and spread the word. We want to share this with motorcyclists around the world. Like I said, it's our gift. So go to RevSisters.com and get your ticket to the... Are these new movies or classics? Or this is a little... It's a little bit of everything. The, the thing that's cool is that... Um, so there exists not a lot of moto film festivals. There's... Um, hmm. PDX Portland, there's Toronto, there's uh, one in the tele, uh, one in Italy, I think. Um, there's not a lot. Uh, there used to be one in New York. So, but none of them were online. And so there's so many great films that exist out there that are a couple years old, some that even won awards at these film festivals, but you still haven't heard of it or seen it. So we're curating new films, we're curating old films, we're curating films that no one's seen, curating films that have won awards, we're putting them all out there because the world needs to see these. Um, yes. And um, I have some news to share. It's slightly on a sadder note, but we we like to bring the news when we, we can. Um, a British motorcycle racer, um, Ben Godfrey, was killed today in a race. No. Um, oh. And um, Ben was a very competitive racer. He was only 25. He was generally considered one of the guys to keep an eye on. And um, he was involved in a collision and he sustained to his injuries. Mm, so a- it's oh. news. It's always sad when a motorbike racer dies. But um, what race was it? What, uh, what I think it was some, um, I think it might have been a super motard race. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I'm getting the news secondhand. Um, okay. But it was one of these like suburban races on a smaller track. And I have a suspicion um, that it might have been a super moto race. It might have just been a short track. But mm-hmm. I only got the news myself like about half an hour ago, so I haven't been able That's to it. research it. Sorry, um, but, that, you know, to anyone who's followed Ben or is a fan or family, you know, it's my condolences to you all. All it's right. dangerous sport. Yeah. You know? And, Nock, you had something you wanted to say before that? Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask if, uh, how many movies are you showcasing? Did you say? Uh... Well, some are feature length. Some are ultra short. It's just a couple of minutes long. So mm-hmm. um, we're, we're still curating it. We don't have our final oh, okay. number. But we're trying to get a good solid three evenings of films to watch. Oh, right. So how many do you have now, though? Are you allowed to say? No. Because we've only notified four so far, and those are the four that are in the trailer that I used as a teaser. Um, okay. <clears throat> no, we're like again, we're still getting more films coming in. There's still some that we're going after that we found um, yeah. that we want to share. Um, yeah, 
cool. So don't know yet. It's it's going to be a great blend, but I will. It's going to be brilliant. I will tell you that you will see uh, a man riding a tree. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you feel it's a tree or a log? Well, you know, I I think it's a what, log with tree tendencies. What was once a tree is now a log. I thought it was fascinating, you know, because we we went through the first film festival and which was a lot of fun, amazing entries, all good, uh, unique stuff. But after seeing the trailer for this one, it looked way better. Like these are some really interesting films, and it, I was really surprised. Uh, the, the quality of the trailer was great. I thought your editing was well done, but the content looks really interesting. Like different, you know, something different. Yeah. I don't want to say too much and give it away. Well, we're, we're having, and so, there are some from the Santa Cruz Film Festival, some that we're carrying over. But um, yeah, cool. so I'm looking forward to that. In other news, um, it was announced earlier this week that Sturgis Bike Week is happening. And um, it's happening. It is happening. And I find it interesting when you have some events like AMA Vintage Days canceling or postponing then you have events like sturgis but it was voted on by the city council and i think that's a bigger part of it because other events like ama vintage days it, it it's not really um bringing money into the local community it's bringing into ama sturgis bike week is bringing into the entire black hills community to all the businesses and so you know I'm not I'm not going to pass judgment here because on the one hand if they don't have it it's devastating to the whole community of South Dakota and if on the other hand if they do have it it may be devastating to the lives of some people. You know it's it's crazy that in 2020 there's still just like communities that thrive or only merely exist because there's one large event that provides them revenue, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's just you figured we'd be past that by now, but I guess not. It's just how that well, is. Well, no, and that, that's worldwide, Knock. I mean, a yeah. huge part of the revenue generated for the Isle of Man is the TT races and the Manx yeah. Grand Prix. If you, and, you know, when they stopped that, that was a decision they didn't take lightly because there was a, a massive part of the yeah. Isle of Man's tourism that just went. Yeah. And yeah. livelihoods were ruined when they made that decision. But, you know. So the only thing I have to say for anyone attending Sturgis Bike Week, have fun, live large, be safe. That's it. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a mutually exclusive, Liza. You can't necessarily live large and be safe. Yeah, you can. Well, Yes. But I thoroughly endorse both of them. You can ride a milk crate <laughs> being dragged by a mini bike down a dirt There's road. There's nothing safe about that, darling. And still be safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm I'm a bit jealous too. I mean, for a lot of people, it is their lifestyle. People come from around the world for that. So, oh, that's don't it. be jelly, Liza. You can come to you can come to uh, uh, Hollister with me. Oh. Yeah, I'm considering it. I'm I'm on the fence about going to. Portland. I'll be crushed if you don't go. Well, crushed. the other opportunity is going dirt biking at Hollister Hills. So well, there you I go. Think I'm, I'm I'm probably going to pass on Hollister this year. I uh, Hollister Hills or Corbin. Corbin. 
I mean, right. you know, we've been there. We've been going right. there for years. I got I got three Corbin seats and all that. But I think, you know, this might be my year to pass because I got a feeling it's going to be elbow to elbow with a crowd that ain't going to give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it could yeah. be. You know, Mike himself, he said he was expecting about a quarter of um, what he normally oh. gets. But I think he might be downplaying it. I think, you know, it's, there's so many people have kind of, Regard, I'm not going to say politicized it, but they're defying it. And as you say, they're going to make a statement, Jim. And it'll be interesting. I mean, I reserve the right. If it gets too crazy, I'm going to I'm going to bounce pretty quickly. But I'll also say, you know, Mike Mike is a smart guy, and he's not going to do anything stupid. I don't think so. I, I think it'll probably a good it'll be a good event. And just like no different if you're going to anything else. And I think Liza spoke to it. Just do what you need to do personally to keep yourself safe. Right, exactly. And, uh, and go I mean, have a, you know, we're, have a we're, good time. we're all grown ups here, so exactly. I'll be wearing my mask. I'll be trying to maintain a distance of at least six feet from anybody else. Unless it's funny, larger. In which case, I'll put macaroni on his lips. About Corbin, because the, there's cool stuff there. I think one of my favorites. I'm sorry, like you want to say something. One yeah, of my man. favorites was um. Just seeing like like these Patch Club guys, that's one conversation. But the bikes they ride, these ratted out, hard ridden, super custom chopper shit. That's probably my favorite thing. Is look at these hard patch dudes and their custom bikes that they that they ride. It's pretty fascinating. Oh sure. I think for me, like my favorite memory is taking a picture with Mike Corbin, Craig Vetter, and Sonny Barger. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that's like going to this is that, that, that that's the world you're in. I'm like, holy shit, three three yeah. legends. I think I took that picture, and I also took the picture of Emma giving Sonny a big smooch on the side of the head. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to say, Emma giving Sonny a big smooch on the side of the head is a little bit better, slightly. Yeah. You know, and anyway, so guys. many of my so many of my British friends who are also involved with patch clubs have said that is easily my favorite picture of you, Emma. <laughs> so that's become awesome. something of a legendary picture. Me and Sonny squeezed his head like a big watermelon. <laughs> yeah, that well, resistance is futile. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hey, that's still two weeks away, but I want to talk about today because today. I was nursing a sore head. Oh, yeah. Do you guys know what that is? Go ahead, Knock. Yeah. You know what that is. Is it the Notorious B.I.G. version or the other version? John, this one is for you. You don't realize it. A girl I know actually has that as her ringtone for me. Hey, John, I like it when you call me Big Papa. So, John, you got to join us for Father's Day, so let's get to know you. How about that? Okay. So, you come to us from south of here. I do. I, uh, well, at this moment. Apparently, you live at a junction. I do. I do. I, uh, I'm actually in Scotts Valley in a hotel room right now. Wait, everyone smile. We're getting a picture taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, come, I come to you from Paso Robles. Oh, I know uh, Paso Robles so well. Yes, yeah. we stop to pee there all the time. 
Oh, and it, there are other things there that are useful too. Uh, some people uh, consume liquids that immediately become visits to the <laughs> department. Yeah, you know, one I of think my knock, knock buys his meth there. Yes. <laughs> um, one of my favorite breakfast joints is actually a touch of Paso. Oh, a touch of Paso in downtown. Yeah, downtown Paso, and all the waitresses are like ninety, and they're very surly, and like oh, for sure, throw, throw your breakfast at you. There's your breakfast. Now shut up. I love <laughs> breakfast it. with attitude. Yeah, exactly. And but it's fabulous place. I love a touch of Paso. It has changed and, uh, so much over the years that I've uh, lived there. I moved uh, to Paso about 13 years ago from San Francisco area, uh, East okay. Bay, San Francisco. Um, cool. And it, it has uh, changed a lot. But it's fabulous food, great wine, uh, but far more importantly, fabulous motorcycling. Oh, good yeah. Lord, yeah. You were so the, lucky down there. And one of my favorite roads is down there, too, uh, Webster Road. Sure. Getting, Otherwise yeah. known as your private racetrack. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so much fun to go down that. Every time I go down there, I hit that road. <laughs> I live on the north end of that road. Nice. So, so you mentioned to us earlier that you are riding the Triumph Tiger 800. What else you got? Oh, a few other things. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, I have two two Triumphs. Uh, my other Triumph, when it's uh, more of a, a, a sporty situation, is the Street Triple R. That's a very, great very bike. Fun bike. Um, and then for off-road, uh, uh, KTM 690 Enduro. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, former Adventure Tour is still hanging out in the garage, which is a BMW 1150DS. And uh, I've got a Supermoto uh, DR650. Uh, oh, cool. Well, you know I love that thing. suspension and things like that. Very fun little beast. And then Perfect. last but not least is a 2018 Goldwing. Whoa. Nice. Got to have something for the long haul. Yeah, Wait, I'm just yeah, collecting collection, man. But you're missing something. Uh oh, what did I miss? Bagel. What would you recommend? What is he missing? You need a Vespa GTS 300. Uh, there you go. <laughs> a good choice. How Perfect. could I possibly get to touch a Paso for breakfast in the morning without a Vespa? That would be ideal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good, good collection of bikes. How long have you been riding? Uh, pretty much my whole life. Um, so I got my first bike when I was eight years old, and I've had one ever since. Wait, did your dad get you that bike? No, he did not. <gasps> he was uh, not not uniquely excited about the idea of my getting a bike. But I, I was um, I grew up on a farm. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing but empty space in every direction, and most kids around me had uh, something like a motorcycle. Uh, I stole my brother's inappropriately and rode it a lot. Uh, got got in a little bit of trouble, and so I had to buy my own. And what what um, kind of what bike was it? So my my brother's, which is literally the first bike I rode, was a a nineteen sixty four ish Honda. Um, I think it was called a C one ten. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that a C uh, or a uh, CT? I think it was oh C one ten. CT hasn't been invented yet. Okay, yeah. I rode that on and off for like six months until my brother pretty much pummeled me to death and then uh i my first actual bike was um a honda uh, uh cl 100 it was a uh, uh, kind of a enduro-ish yeah. uh, 100cc bike what and how old were you when you got that uh would have been about nine or ten <laughs> wow right around there yeah wow what do you save up your paper route money or something it's almost exactly yes there was a lot of quarters involved uh, <laughs> 
So the advantage you have as a kid on a farm is you get to sell produce. Um, so I would sell uh, stuff from the farm. I would sell flowers, uh, paper route. All that money went to buying the first one. Wow. And you've had bikes your whole life? My whole life. Uh, Even yeah. when you ha- got married and had kids? I did. Uh, in fact, uh, my uh, my daughter that, that contacted mm-hmm. you. The one is, is she too. hiding behind you? She's hiding back here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw yeah. her. Hiding in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, got a motorcycle as a Christmas gift from, uh, her dad, uh, very nice guy I've heard. Um, and at about 10 or 11, right around there, I got her first bike and has been uh, riding ever since. That's a good dad, man. That's a good dad. That's a dad we all wished we had. <laughs> Everybody in the family got a motorcycle from dad. Nice. Right. Nice. And, uh, so what have been some of the other bikes you've had along the way that you wish you still had? Well, gosh, the ones I wish I still had. Mm-hmm. Uh, in high school, I had a 1971 BSA 650 Lightning. Yeah, that's a great bike. Great, uh, great bike. Fix it every day and ride it every okay, day. Okay, I just have to. Uh, you had that in high school. Uh huh. Did that uh, make you popular with the ladies? Um, it, it was uh, y- uniquely interesting when I rode it to school regularly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Advantage there. Yeah. Uh, it uh, also. Um, um, we needed an awful lot of fixing. It got repaired in uh, very, very briefly. Uh, but it was a great bike and definitely one I went to make have. Love this one. I got a question for you. Hmm? What was your first big, like, long distance tour? Long distance tour? Yeah, so, when you're like multiple days and you're like, oh shit, I'm doing this now. Yeah, so certainly in high school, um, I rode uh, like one to two day kind of rides uh, around the area. That's- that's awesome. Uh, but the first really long trip would have come a little later. Um, in college, I rode from New York to Miami and back. So that nice. was, probably would have been one of the very earliest really long runs. Yeah, right on. Oh, that's cool. And what, uh, what, what bike did you ride? Was that the BSA? No, that one uh, was a, uh, I had fairly recently bought it new, a 1979 Suzuki 750. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was that. First generation of four-stroke, uh, four-cylinder Suzuki. So the Goldwing that you have now, is that a DCT? It is a DCT. <sighs> what do you think? Yeah, very, it's my first, well, I did a test ride on a um, uh, VFR 1200 DCT way back when they first came out. Yeah. But uh, bottom line is, for particularly for this role, I think it's awesome. Really like it. So are there as many um, ways to adjust uh, as there is on the Africa Twin? Do you have all the power, engine braking, all those settings? Not as much as the Africa Twin. You can customize more on the okay. Twin. On the, on the uh, Goldwing, you have four basic ride modes. And then on the transmission, it does affect the transmission in terms of you know when it shifts, that sort yeah. of thing. But most fundamentally, you just uh, throw in either automatic or manual. And in manual mode, you use the paddle shifters. Um, the other big difference with the DCT is it's a seven-speed gearbox. The manual gold oh. link is a six-speed gearbox. So you have a lot of bikes. You've had a lot of bikes. You know how to use a clutch. Do you feel like the DCT is going to become more and more common on more and more bikes? Um, I do. Um, I think there's a lot to sort of get over in the marketplace for people you know, like me, who lived their whole life with, uh, with bikes they shifted, and it's kind of a manly thing, you know, you, you should have shifters. Yeah, and- do you hear that, Jim? 
Do you yeah. hear that, Jim? He was just saying today about I like to I like to shift. I like the clutch. I do too, but you know, a long time ago, sports cars went to paddle shifters, and Formula One drivers used paddle shifters. I think I can live with a paddle shifter. Yeah, okay. I hear you talking smack about me. I'm just I'm listening with my earphones. I'm putting the bike on the ramp. Because I think hey, don't, t- don't take my comment out of out of context. I'll make an analogy like this. okay. I told Liza I like. I like the challenge, the personal challenge to me of shifting properly, braking properly, coming into a turn at the right speed. I get, don't get me wrong. We did that adventure class last week, mm-hmm. and 80% of your brain is taken up with clutch control, shifting. Yeah. That, that is, you yeah. don't realize how much of your brain is consumed until you ride a DCT. So I do get the attraction. Yeah. But, you know, like, like we heard one time, some people still like racing horses. Some people still yeah. like doing cannonballs on 1909 motorcycles. So... I, I and I've I like the electric bikes. I've ridden them. I've crashed them. They are fun, but I still enjoy all the technical aspects for right. the discipline required to to ride a uh, bike correctly, so to speak. And, and I know you can apply the same things. Are available to people. To, to yeah, I, to I like point. them both. Yeah, they should still be available. It shouldn't go away. It's uh, especially given that most of motorcycling is sport oriented. It's recreational. It's fun. It's enjoyment. So you should have the option for it. Um, the DCP has certain advantages as well, and yeah, I think both are. There's room in the market for both. Yeah, but well, I, I, I just want to make the comment because for me, it's not a manly machismo thing. It's just it. It's like other mechanical items. There's a cool intricacy to how they all go together, and it's yeah. fun being a part of that machine. That that's and my perspective. Know, and you can't really just rationalize it. It's just like some people like fucking carbureted bikes that you know are you got a kickstart. You know what I mean? It's yep. It's an intangible of what makes motorcycling awesome. That is, you, you, if you wanted a fucking DCT, you could get one. You know, can I jump in here? Because I think this whole DCT thing is going to follow a very similar evolution of what's already happened on dirt bikes. And in dirt bikes, there was a lot of conversations in the mid-70s that single-shock dirt bikes would never catch on, Mm -hmm. and then they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. Then the conversation in the mid-80s were four-stroke dirt bikes would never catch on, Mm -hmm. and then they were everywhere. Then there was the conversation with carbureted dirt bikes will never catch on, then they were everywhere, you know, and then injected. And then finally, the final incarnation in the last couple of years, Electric start dirt bikes never catch yeah. on. And now they're everywhere. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I was going to compare to the other market that's already shown the path, and that's the automotive market. Yeah. How many uh, manual cars are available now? How many young people know how to drive a stick shift car? Not yeah. that many. They've gone the way of the dinosaur. Here's, they really have. Here's a question I'll, I'll bounce off not because I think he's our resident, her, him and him are our resident experts on this. What about MotoGP and their their philosophy on non-shifting motorcycles? I mean, when will we see that at the MotoGP level? It's it's already there to a certain degree where it, they have auto blippers and they still have to manually shift up and down. Right. I might so, imagine at one point they probably can have paddle shifters, but... It's. I think it's. I think they just still can go faster with uh, manual actuation. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't know. Liza's DCT will wheelie like a motherfucker, and it seems as fast as electric bike off the line. So that that would be one sure. thing to t- talk about. Is why is it MotoGP going to electric non-shifting bikes? 
in a way well, I think part, uh, one of the reasons like uh, MotoGP could have gone with electronic suspension but part of it too was just it was the cost there's also like there it's also there's like a money game involved with just racing yes it is like the pinnacle of technology but at the same time they're still trying to make it competitive so cost could be a factor you know when you think about sponsorship all revolves around you know gas engines suspensions you know all this kind of stuff so you know, it's probably a lot more complicated than obviously well, I, I read jim i would actually say in racing you need to have as much control as possible because you're not always doing the same thing around each time every track is going to be different and every lap is going to be different especially when you're trying to pass or draft or do whatever so to have a bike that is already kind of designated of how it's going to respond um you need to be able to be much more impulsive in racing because you're riding at that level um that's what i would that think. makes that makes more sense to me because these guys are so ridiculously good at it yeah. and probably are so in touch with the machine that I can see them, you know, that I, that, that probably makes as much sense to me as anything. Well, you have to also too, like the, the way they ride is just way more consistent than your average person riding a street bike or even like a regular track day racer rider, you know, like these guys are like literally 2% off each other's time. You know, you got a hundred second lap, and a guy comes in like at one of, you know, 98 seconds or 98 seconds faster than the other guy, or, you know, or whatever, two seconds faster, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, transmission, if you take it apart technologically, it's not just the automatic nature. That's the advantage. Yeah. Right. right. And, and many of those advantages are already there in the MotoGP bike, the constant mesh transmission, for example, they went to the mm-hmm. constant mesh quite a while ago, the dual clutch, strategy with the instantaneous shift, right? They've got that already. So the only thing they're missing is literally the automation of the shifting. And on yeah. on my DCT, I throw it in manual an awful lot and take advantage of the dual clutch and use the paddle shifters, but don't necessarily take advantage of the computer making the shift decision. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I'm just kind of fascinated by the DCTs that are out there and the different levels of control and input that you have and the Africa mm-hmm. Twin because it's going from touring to dirt to you know twisties to to bumps and logs and rivers it needs to be able to have all that range of adjustment um but the street bikes don't need it it's much more predictable so i'm just kind of fascinated by by that and the future of it i think it is going to be more and more common i think so yeah i think the more yeah more bikes the more people are, I think it's going to be awesome if they could port this into smaller displacement bikes, like the way Han is doing right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The NC seven fifty or whatever has one with a dual clutch transmission. If they can port it down to like borderline scooter level, where you get a five hundred cc actual motorcycle with a dual clutch, that'd be pretty awesome. You know, it opens up the entry, uh, eliminates a entry barrier for a lot of people. I'd imagine it does. Um, we need that. Hey, I wanted to jump in real quick because, uh, you know, John's here because this is Father's Day. And I had some people send in stories of their fathers. I wanted to find out who are great moto dads out there. And I wanted to share some of these stories. Uh, The first one comes from actually my friend Shana. And instead of her writing in about her father, she wrote in about her husband, Eugene, because he is a father to three small children. And 
he is getting them in writing, much like John did. So uh, this hey, comes Shana and hey, Eugene. They are yeah, awesome from Shauna. She says, uh, hey, this is for Eugene Sanderson. So he wasn't a father when we became street legal writers together over 10 years ago. He was a father to three when he spent days bringing a Ninja 250 back to life and teaching me how to wrench when I told him I wanted to ride three years ago. He took me to a parking lot and helped me to reach a comfort- comfortable level to hit the street. His love, dedication, and patience has opened a whole new world for me. Now this year, he has once again spent endless hours fixing electric dirt bikes to teach our seven-year-old twins, hoping our love of the sport and the community is reflected in our kids. Even if it isn't, I know they will be better humans for growing up in a moto household. Oh, So that nice. one is yeah. for Eugene Sanderson. So how many kids do you have, John? Two. And uh, my daughter's the elder, uh, Brianna, mm-hmm. uh, and my son, uh, Brian. And do they both ride? They do. Nice. Uh, they both grew up riding dirt bikes mm-hmm. uh, with mom and I. Mom has a, a motorcycle license as well, my wife, Debbie. Um, and we oh, yeah. had a set of four dirt bikes, a pickup truck, and would many, many weekends go to either Hollister Hills or Carnegie or up in the Sierras and go riding on most weekends. And then both of them ultimately got street bikes and street bikes. That is so nice. That's cool, man. Super cool. All right. I got another one for you. Uh, This one is from uh, Gabriel, and he says, Hey there, Misfits. I don't have much of a story, but I ride because of one person, and that person was my girlfriend's dad. He was all about motorcycles. I would fear the sound of his engine coming around the corner on his Kawasaki Concourse when he didn't know that I was dating his daughter. And often when I came over, he would be watching motorcycling videos on YouTube. I honestly just didn't get the obsession with motorcycles. I was so scared of them whenever I got close to one. However, it was something he really loved and something his children really identified him with. About a year and a half ago, he passed away from a battle with pancreatic cancer. And in honor of him, my girlfriend wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So we signed up for the MS course together, MSF course together and passed. Needless to say, if it wasn't for him, Albert, I would never have dreamt of touching a motorcycle. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's a really cool story. I'm sorry for the passing, but that's a really great way to, to like continue a legacy and remember someone. Yeah. So, John, let me ask you this. As a moto dad... <clears throat> How do you think um, it makes your kids better people by being a part of this community? Hmm. Yeah, really, really good question. I think a number of things that come to mind. One, one is in our household with uh, multiple riders uh, going dirt biking every weekend. It was impossible for me to keep up with, uh, you know, wash the bike down, do change the oil, all that kind of stuff. So everybody in the family, including the kids, had to do that for themselves. So I think that was the first thing is they learn whether they like it or not, the rudimentary parts of maintaining their motorcycle and the responsibility that went with it. You don't get the ride if you don't take care of it. And so I think that inculcated a a little bit of that sort of sense of ownership of things in a real way. I think there's another aspect in motorcycling. uh, You um, sort of reap what you sow. If you, if you ride well, uh, you, would enjoy, you have an enjoying day and everything goes well. If you don't ride so well, things are not going to go so well and it may not uh, be very happy. Um, you know, you might get hurt, that, that kind of thing. And so it encourages you to get skillful it, the, and it helps you learn that skills, personal skill matters. It's it, an important part of your life. And then 
a selfish side for me, um, besides the fact that I like motorcycling and I wanted them to like it, I looked down the road and realized, having been a teenager once, just how crappy teenagers can be with parents. Um, I was yeah. a pretty awful teenager. And I figured um, the one thing that my kids possibly would still enjoy with me when I was pretty much dumber than dirt and they were about 16 would be motorcycling. They probably would not turn down going for a motorcycle ride. So I think the other thing it did for me is it gave me a way, no matter what age they were at, to do something with them that they wanted to do. I didn't have to put a gun to their head. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was a, a useful thing to them and to me over time. Um, and we're attempting to uh, to deploy that strategy for the next generation. That's a good one. It's so funny. It just made me remember. I was thinking, wait, was I a horrible teenager? I don't remember being horrible, but I do remember being 15 and going through a little punk rock phase mm. and going to the big family Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents' house wearing a leather-studded choke collar. <laughs> I'm sure that went over big. That went <laughs> oh my God, you have photos of this? <laughs> no, and I had a, oh. I had a skunk bleached hair, you know. But oh the fact I was sitting there like mine? chewing on my turkey with my studded choke collar like like Sid Vicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what an embarrassment. Cool. I know. All right. I got another one. I love these great stories of great dads. This one is from Ian. He says, hello, misfits from Sydney, Australia. Just, thought, on, I, just thought I would Good share on, one of my memories with my dad, what I think set the tone for the lifelong love of motorcycles. Living in the Blue Mountains in the 1980s, it wasn't all houses and people. You still had a little room to roam around. Mom was out, and it was decided that I would go and visit one of dad's mates. Dad rolled out the Honda XL500 out of the shed and i was so excited being just four years old i sat on the tank and held on to the crossbar as we rode through the bush tracks no safety gear just freedom dad popping wheelies and taking little jumps off of the erosion banks along the way when we got home later in the day he said now don't tell your mother <laughs> so the first thing i did when she got home was tell her all about the cool stories and how the big jumps were absolutely gold <laughs> I've had a bunch of cool bikes as, as I have grown up. Now I have a drag racing habit and run shed built racing. I race a turbo Busa drag bike. What? Uh, 7.3 at 190 miles per hour. And have now, what's his, what, what was his handle again? Shed, shed built racing. And he says, I have a couple of of other bikes, a Turbo ZX7 street bike, a Madass 125, four scooters, and a couple of China's best dirt bikes in the shed, but I still need more. Anyways, thanks for a great show and many laughs, Ian. Oh, my God. I can yeah. picture that kid holding on for dear life. You know what's cool is, like, when your parents are the first group of people to tell, show you what, like, an adrenaline rush is like, you know? <laughs> a lot of the times, like, for, well, for me, it was, it was trying to steal a fucking G.I. Joe from, like, Safeway or some shit like that, you know? Or, like, a drugstore. He <laughs> shoves thing down my pants real quick. But uh, going up, jumps on a motorcycle, that's way, way more productive, I think. So, John, did you ever have any close calls with your kids riding that made you think maybe as a father you shouldn't be getting them into this? Anytime you almost regretted it. Um, so, not really so 
too much um, when they were not in, on pavement. You know, on, in the dirt bike world, one of the nice things about it is a little more forgiving and you don't too often, um, you know, have wrist life and loom. Uh, my daughter uh, did succeed as a uh, 16-year-old high school student uh, borrowing uh, my dirt bike uh, because hers, she managed to get a flat tire on uh, when we were out riding one day for the <laughs> primary purpose of showing off to a bunch of high school boys who happened to be at the <laughs> Carnegie off-road riding track and managed to pretty much destroy herself, uh, cut up her leg and, you know, smash the bike a little bit. So um, that, that wasn't such a good idea. But more recently, um, <laughs> now that everybody rides on the pavement mostly at much higher speed with much more risk, my daughter did have an off-road uh, uh, excursion with her street bike here not too long ago and unfortunately got pretty badly injured. Ooh. Uh, I, I was uh, uh, off riding the Continental Divide Trail um, mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks um, in, the, in the hinterlands of Montana. And uh, that, that was honestly really hard to take, to have a call that said she was in the hospital and gotten injured uh, riding a motorcycle. Um, yeah. It made me uh, briefly uh, sort of re regret ever showing her how to ride a motorcycle. But she's recovered. Um, she's fine. Uh, and uh, she's doing, doing really, really well. So oh, uh, that's probably the cool. best answer to your question is that, yeah, I have to say I had a uh, period of time of regret. Yeah, I have to say that that has to be hard as a parent that you do take on that uh, that risk that that might happen. And then you have to have that guilt. But you also have to remember all of the, the passion and love that you've shared and given them. And, you know, if they keep on writing, it's because you've instilled that passion in them. So I think it's all worth it. All right. I got uh, one more. And this is from our friend Michael Shannon. <laughs> this is a good one. He says, uh, so my buddy Glenn just got his 1968 Honda S90 Sport running a couple months ago. And I told him I thought my father had one back in the day. So I texted my dad. And this was his response. Why, yes, I did. Wayne, uh, your your uncle, he brought one back for us from Japan while he was in the Air Force. It was a 1967 or 68 model, and you rode on it with us when you were less than six months old. Within five to ten minutes of cruising around, you'd be sound asleep. When you got a little older, I'd put you in front of me, and we'd go out around the hood until you fell asleep on the tank, which you always did. I sold it to buy a Yamaha 350 two-cycle uh, street, had to mix oil with the gas. It was a screamer. Sometimes you'd cry when I didn't take you on it. We used to ride that three up all the way to your great grandma's house in paradise. Sold that so we could buy the VW van that you knew and loved. Somewhere there are photos of slides of you on it and also your great grandfather on it. Um, isn't that a cool story? I love that. That he would just, that's how they put him to sleep, fall asleep on the tank. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, oh, he says, met you all at the one show. Um, New Jersey Mike is my favorite misfit. He ain't so tough. The rest of you are okay, too. Love the show, Jersey especially Mike. the Gary Davis episode. Keep up the good work. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And he yeah, sent a cool. bunch of pictures. Oh, here's a great one. I assume of his dad and him can you guys see that oh wow oh, that's nice cool pre-unit triumph job yeah, yeah right that is a good looking yeah. bike yeah cool pictures um 
<clears throat> so I have one more story I want to share, and I want to prepare you guys that this is not an easy one. Okay? Um, this is for uh, the fathers out there. Um, this is for all the parents, all the bikers. Um, this one is from Mark. And uh, he is Mark. a helicopter mechanic from Idaho and a big fan of the podcast. Uh, he loves the stories that we tell and, and the banter and the information we provide. Um, he, but he's coming to us with a very difficult and large request. On May 26, 2020, my neighbor's 11-year-old boy was tragically killed in a UTV accident just down the road from our house. Much like most 11-year-olds, he was very special, but Trip, that's his name, uh, and he in particular was an amazing kid, a friend to everyone, always lent a hand, always outside playing in the dirt or snow, and will always be remembered as a ripping dirt biker. Trip was my buddy. We lived next door from one another in rural Idaho for four years, and he was regularly helping me wrench on bikes, telling big fish stories and sharing fart jokes or tearing up each other's turn tracks. The request that I have is to perhaps mention the GoFundMe set up to assist a family, um, and if it's not too much trouble to share it in the episode notes, and I will do that. Uh, Tripp's family, they're they're devastated, as is the community. It took two helicopter flights and a bunch of procedures to try and save Tripp's life, which created a huge hospital bill. Um, mm -hmm. And neither of his parents are working at the moment because of the whole yeah. COVID situation. So he just asks if we can share the GoFundMe uh, for Trip, and I will share that in the notes and on our recycle page. And it's a sad story, but I, I love to think of trip. I wish I had a trip. We almost got a trip when Owen came by the other week. I love that kid who rides dirt bikes and wants to hang out and, and with you and wrench and do stuff. That is a cool ass kid. You know, and, and something I'll say, and Liza, I mean, Liza, Emma mentioned this earlier about another race that had passed. And um, I yeah, never man. told you this, Liza. I have a, a friend of mine whose son um, died at Barber. And and each one of these kids, like all kids, they're so special. You know, so you hear these stories about a young man passing like that. And some of us, maybe, you know, other kids, they're all so uniquely special kids. And you can totally picture this guy. And... It, oh, it's just—it really hurts, you know. So yeah, let let's support this 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 whole thing. What a small oh, I'm town! Oh, I'm donating this. There's absolutely no question, but it is worth mentioning. You know, motorbikes are dangerous things, and no matter how much we try and stack the odds in our favor, you know, tragedy can strike. You can get hurt. You can get killed, and I think without trying to sound blase about it because the last thing that's the last thing I'd ever want to do we've all looked at the risk and decided it's acceptable and in my case this is my life and it's given me I've had a 40 year career and just a 40 year love affair with motorcycles and I've had wrecks. I've been injured quite badly on bikes. You've picked up the debris more than once of me, Jim. But I, I have picked up your debris. Yes, I have. I, I wouldn't change a minute of it. 
Yeah, Liza's um, got a picture of this kid. And, and if and you're, when, you're and, with us watching the, the Zoom cast on YouTube, that is Trip, and, and he looks like a cool kid. Hey, Trip, like I'll, meet you, I'll meet you in a few years, Barry. <laughs> yeah, but and, and like a lot of these young motorcycle kids, at least the ones that I've been around, they're such hard-charging, fearless, awesome. Like, I can't wait to watch you grow up because at 16 or 14 or 18, you're like, you're doing all this cool stuff. And they always seem to be really grounded, but I don't know, very interesting kids. So that I'm uh, uh, that sucked. But thanks for sharing it because like Emma spoke to, that's motorcycling. I mean, it's not motorcycling you know, without that. For Tripp's parents, this is uh, 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 the double hit, so to speak. You have the terrible circumstance of your child dying this way, um, but you also have the reason for the GoFundMe is right. Unfortunately, you have the medical cost side of it, which can be a second devastation. So it's an awesome thing to try to help out with at least the second. We can't fix the first. Right. Well said, Tom. Yeah, well said. There you go. I published it to our recycle page on Facebook, so anyone can find it there. Um, but let's bring it back up a little bit. Why don't we? So, um, Knock, when are yeah. you going to be able to ride again? Um, shit, maybe I'm hoping two to three weeks. I'm making sure that everything's fused together and, uh, super dandy before I get going, you know, part of it too, is I got to develop more muscle and I'll have to start like a workout regimen and, a, and like a PT kind of a situation. Because, I think it's uh, amazing that you can say all that without moving your face. At all. <laughs> I know, <right>? Incredible. <laughs> so you, your screen's locked knock yeah let me uh but at I'll least there is a flattering picture of my phone. there oh, you go no the, the, back oh, the picture the picture oh, looked better no, no I, found you, uh, I found i found you a little serious in the in the in the still picture like, you know you were you were glaring <laughs> no it wasn't that look no it wasn't that look at all but this is no, better this is the smiling knock we like the smiling yeah. knock yeah no i just uh i just gotta be able to do this with my other arm you wave know, your arm in the window. air wave it like you just don't care yeah. right because part of it is like i i write supermoto a lot and i have to keep my elbows up and right now this is like it hurts and it's exhausting just so you so, know i i can't go that high. yeah i know it's this, it's, this is real like oh. you know the whole like shoot your pool shooting pool thing with it with the fucking motard yeah but um, so, that's what i'm trying to do so here's the deal knock and I've been there, so uh, I'm not asking this out of, out of thin air. How do you no, genuinely no. feel about getting back on a bike? I can't wait to get back on it. I was like in the garage the other day, starting all my bikes up, making sure that because I haven't ridden, you know, in like three months, making right, sure right, right, I'm right, ready right. to roll. So I'm I'm ready to go on it. Uh, I have yet to kickstart my XR, but I'm pretty sure it'll start in like two kicks or something. No nervousness, no trepidation. No, I mean, look, right I, the, the thing is, is I knew exactly what I did wrong, and I know how to avoid it. If I didn't know, that would have been it would be a different story because I've had crashes where I didn't know what was going on or what happened, and it did make me nervous. And if I know what the problem is, usually I can fix it. Right. You know. Or make adjustments to it anyway, so it doesn't happen as horribly. <laughs> so, now yeah. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. And Jim, you should be paying attention right now. <laughs> so, when you change a tire on a like a twenty-one inch rim, right? Do you put the tube in the tire before you put it on the rim, or do you put the tire on the rim and then the tube in the tire? I put one bead on, and then I put the tube in uh, inside the rim. 
that's kind the way to do it. Sneak it around, yeah. So Jim watched a video and found a different way to do it. Jim, oh is yeah, it- you could definitely, you could definitely. Um, some of the guys who uh, do the uh, rally type stuff, they have to do fast tire changes. They have a tube kind of prepped in there. So Jim, that was a first for you today. This was your first tire change. Wait, did, was, this, right? did this involve flames? I gotta ask. <laughs> no. uh, it can in just a second. Wait, where's my lighter? Um, I'm not. I'm not lying. You know. Um, no, it was interesting. So you know, we ride a lot of dirt, and you know, maybe not a lot of dirt compared to some people, but enough. And eventually, you know, you're going to get a flat. And I had never changed um, a dirt bike tire or a tube, whatever, right? Which is silly. But How hard can it be? It. They do it on the side of the road in Baja, right? How hard can it be, right? And um, yeah, I know how hard it can be. That's why I'd never tried it. That's why I would just take the wheels off and drop them off. And, you know, 25 bucks later, I got my wheels done. But um, but in all seriousness, and Emma, I'm sure, can preach to this, is you got to know how to how to sort your wheels out on the road. So it was kind of cool. So I got the TTR 225, which is the loaner bike that came from SFMC Clay. Um, and it hadn't been ridden really in a little over a year, probably. So flat tired, you know, running kind of like garbage, but I'm like, Hey, this is a great chance to learn how to teach yourself how to do tires. So the way I learn is I have to be hands-on. I can't, I can watch videos. Someone can tell me uh, all that kind of stuff, but, um, I don't learn unless I actually had, and unless, and, and for me, hands-on is making the mistakes, right? Like I'm listening to you, but right now I'm in the shop and I'm, I'm starting to take this 225 apart. I'm going to clean the, the carbs. And I usually break things fixing them, right? So um, anyway, so we get it. I'm like, well, let's take this tire down there and we'll do it. But I had to make the mistakes. And everybody lies. Thank you very much for, hey, can I help you? And other people, let me, can I help you? And it's like, no, <laughs> John, it was painful watching him, wasn't it? It was occasionally very painful. Jim was very much, no, don't tell me how to do it. I wasn't trying to tell you how to do it. It's just a three-handed well, thing. And it's always good to have one person just to hold the spoon. One well, just one observation. Have made all the difference. Yeah. One observation. In the beginning, I was totally by myself. Liza had said there was this little wheeled cart we used for uh, for doing this, which was handy. Got into the shade. I was totally by myself, looking at my little YouTube video, step by step. I had the tire off in like two minutes. Yeah. Um, next thing I know, Liza sits down. Hey, I'm just going to hang out here. Then she begins holding court, as Yuri said. Actually, <laughs> there's like five people standing around me everybody's pointing at things. What are you doing? How come that's not working? Blah, blah, blah. And um, so, but anyway, uh, I was doing fine until all the advice started coming in, but I knew there were different ways to do it. Right. So the reason I kept going with the way I went, which was to put the tube a little Mm -hmm. bit inflated into the tire first, put the valve stem into the hole, put the nut on loosely, then work the tire in is because basically I'd already committed to that path. So let me try it. And if I pinch the tube putting it in, well, fuck, you know, it's nothing new to me. So I'll pinch the tube putting it in and then maybe I'll try a different technique. So I went ahead and put it in that way. Um, and it worked. And I, and it, yeah, I totally struggled at the end getting that last bit of the tire on. So it really was helpful for you and John to kind of say, hey, let us lend a hand. And all it really was was just holding one of the irons in place while we got a couple more over. Right. But, um, so that, that was helpful. But the reason I was so resistant is, yes, I'm curmudgeon and old and stubborn, but it's also I know that's how I learn. And if I don't make the mistakes, you know, if I don't strip the screw on the carburetor, if I don't break the head off the bolt, apparently I don't learn. Yeah. Um, so it was a great learning experience. And I'm, I got the bike on the lift right now. I'm taking the carb out and knock on wood that the, the tire is still holding air. So, Emma, the, the reason that 
one would put the tube in after is just you don't want to risk pinching the tube while you're putting right, the first beat exactly. on? Exactly. That's it? And, you know, the, the thing I want to stress, which goes against what a lot of people think, you need to partially inflate the tube to fit the tire. Yep. If it, particularly if it's a new tube, if it's completely flat, you're going to pinch it. You actually need to put some air in it and actually get it so it's kind of tire-shaped. Right. And then did, stuff and it did, in. And I did notice as I was spooning it on, a couple of times I sure as, sure as sugar had the, the tube pinched under the tool. So it's totally I can see how easily that can happen. Right, right. Exactly. I have another, I have yes. another question for you, and, if, and this may not make any sense at all, but I've had I put I usually put heavy duty tubes in my tires. Yeah. And over the last few years, I've had two heavy duty tubes tear the valve stem, and that was the yeah. Because okay, so you're running them at too low a pressure. That's, that's what the, okay, I so said. That's what it is. That okay. is the that is the only way you're going to tear a stem out. Now, back in the old days. Um, and to a certain extent, it's still true. Um, you'd use a rim lock. Any time that you're below 15 pounds, and probably 20 pounds if you've got a high-torque dirt bike. What do I mean by a high-torque dirt bike? John's KTM is a great example. It's a big single-cylinder dirt bike thing. I'd pull a friggin' tree stump out. Emma. Um, the Africa Twin, not so much. There isn't a great deal of, like, pull away talk but um emma knocks 650 emma hold on yes. two things first of all when you say in the old days i don't know if you're talking about the 1600 so you got to clarify second of all this is on the front wheel there is no torque on a front wheel oh yeah there is when you brake hard you've got the uh. full momentum of the bike and the 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 the, the you're braking, so the tire is going stop, 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 and the the weight of the bike is pushing it forward. But, well, maybe because maybe this is the loner bike, Jim, because we don't really use our front brake that much in the dirt. That was the the, the thing I could see on the street totally, but on the dirt, you know why? And the valve tin was just yeah. ripped right the fuck out. Yeah, I, that's why know, it's so was, weird. It yeah, that I mean that's a, that's I mean, an entire that's an entire pressure thing. I've seen you know I've yeah. seen plenty of dirt bikes with security bolts on the front wheel. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. You know, what's funny is I have it on this little bike and on the the stock CRF two fifty. Um, you know, it comes with no no rim locks. Um, it has the pre drilled holes, which is convenient. But and when I have it, I change out to the Moto Zs. Um, I forgot to tell him to put a, a heavy-duty tube in. But, but, you know, and I just kind of rid the piss out of that thing, and it holds up just fine, so who knows? But, you know, it's exactly the same. You're going to hear me preach, and it's the same conversation I've had about batteries. You get exactly what you pay for. So if you, you go into AutoZone and you buy a Duralast heavy-duty battery, it's still junk, even though it says heavy-duty. You buy a UASA battery, and so it is with tubes. You can buy the, the heaviest-duty tube, but if it's a crappy make, it's going to be a crappy tube. It's just going to be made out of thicker rubber. That, so let me ask you, yeah. Go ahead. as a fail, I used to always do this up until the Honda hasn't given me problems, but as soon as I got a new dirt bike, the KLX, for example, didn't come with rim locks, but it did have the pre-drilled hill, right, right, right. pre-drilled hole. So when I had the new tires put on, I said heavy-duty tube and throw a rim lock in there. I mean, well, that's only just... half the conversation. 
I mean, should you just should you just always kind of like, hey, because a rimlock's what, like six bucks or something like that? Yeah, you know, if you're riding dirt and you're seriously riding dirt, six bucks for a rimlock and a heavy-duty tube, if you're buying a decent tube, when I say a decent tube, I mean Bridgestone. Bridgestone are my favorite tubes, but you need a mortgage yeah. to buy them. Wait, um, I got a question. On, I'll, show, I'll show you what I got. Your bike doesn't come with a uh, Rimlocks OEM, Jim? No, it doesn't. You know, it's funny no, that no. Honda didn't, the KLX done, didn't either, which is interesting. So Yeah, KLX okay. is done. Generally, yeah, you can install your own, right? Like just drill the rim and put in a rimlock, or is that something that I, you shouldn't I do? I think the Honda's pre-drilled, but you know what? So yeah, you can one, drill a rim. Yeah. So here's one thing I thought where I thought I would have ripped the, the valve stem out if I was going to, is riding dual sport on the 250 on asphalt is downshifting real hard, so the rear wheel locks up as you're downshifting. Yeah. yeah. And I thought if anything's going to rip the, the valve stem off, it would be that, but I haven't had that issue um, with the Honda, and I've done it a bunch, so I don't, I don't know anymore. Right. Just luck. Um, I think you're the luckier yeah. you're not sometimes. Yeah, but you know, the, the, the only the only way you're gonna tear a valve stem out, what what brand is that? Bike Master. Yeah, bike masters are okay. They're kind of middle of the road. Yeah. You know? Okay. We'll we'll find out. Yeah, no bike generally bike master, I think that's Tucker Rocky's own brand. And um you know, if the importer put their own brand on it, generally they're okay. Um, you know, I like to say I'm I'm a battery snob and I'm a I'm a inner tube snob as well. I like Michelin's; they are light duty though. Um, I love bib mooses; they're great. If you're riding dirt, it's a bib moose. Look at that! Look at that lovely Uasa. That's a thing of beauty, Jim. Um, <laughs> Only Uasa. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to ride a bib moose on the street. But if you're riding dirt, bib mooses are great. Um, uh, Bridgestone tubes are by far my favorite. But you know, a heavy duty Bridgestone tubes like forty bucks now. Yeah, this one was twenty four. Yeah, so you know, yes, tubes Liza? are getting tubes are getting expensive. But generally, the adage: if your bike has tubes, every time you change a tire, change a tube. Hey, I Tire just. I wanted to jump in and say we have another dad who has joined us. Oh, dad. Yes. Hey. It's award-winning Mike. Happy Father's hey. Day, Mike. Hey. What hey, up, what's daddy? Happening? How you guys doing? Pretty good. good. How you How doing? Right. I was just sitting and being quiet because Freya's opening up some, some toys. Ah, thank you. Hi, Freya. <laughs> did you, hi. Hi, Freya. Freya, did you say hi. happy Father's hi. Day to your dad? Aww. <laughs> oh, show them your new toy. What'd you get? They want to know what you got, Freya. What'd you get, Freya? Oh, you turned the camera off, Mike. There show them what you got, Freya. What'd you get, Freya? Because this makes riveting uh, audio for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a motorcycle? I see. Okay, someone interpret. Got an L O L doll. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I know those things. Yeah, lol dolls. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're we're, we're talking. Right. I jumped in late. I was working at the house all day. That's all right. Yeah, I bet. We're talking. We're talking earlier. We were talking earlier about great moto dads who get their kids into riding, like our friend John with us. And Mike, you've done that too, right? 
You like she likes yeah. to ride around on the bike. Oh yeah, I was that's the thing. Was I was trying to debate whether to bring both of the little mini bikes over and start riding around there yet. But I, but I mean like it's a quiet neighborhood, so I thought I should bring the big bikes over first, just so they know who's in charge around there. <laughs> How far are your neighbors from you, Mike? What? How far are your neighbors from you? Uh, well, like, but I got one neighbor's like 200, 300 feet this way to the right. And then I've got uh, another set of neighbors, like kind of up in the woods next to me, but I got two and a half acres. So yeah, well, wow. stock pipes, stock pipes. So they'll probably won't hear it. Yeah. Well, I got a big ass garage too. So I can open it up. Wait till you guys see the garage. I hooked the whole thing up. I got pulled down electric. I got a, All right. uh, are uh, we moving the recycled garage to your garage? Yeah. And what's with the randos on the weekend <laughs> fucking your shit up? Oh, does that mean I can get rid of everyone now? Have my Sundays yeah. back? Thank God. Yeah. All right, Emma, uh, Mike, you need to give Emma your address, so we'll start sending her over to your house on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. My house, 3,000. Well, I'm not going to say it online. <laughs> okay, very good. Don't dox yeah. yourself, man. It's pretty cool. Like, it's I got the garage set up for motorcycles. And then, like, if you guys want to do um, – like the movie nights, like uh, like vintage motorcycle movies. I've got this huge white wall in the garage with a 4K projector put on it. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Nice. Bikes and, or seats or couches. And, um, Would you be open to uh, running Moto GPs on the weekends? Yeah. Mm. I got an account, so. Yeah. I like what okay. you think. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. But I was also thinking about how to set up the new track around my house. And there's a couple places like the old uh, homeowner built this this kind of retaining wall where he used to back his truck up to and just roll the bikes into the yard. The yard, the front yard's fully paved. I could fit probably about 40 motorcycles in there and still have yeah. room to party, right? But I was thinking like if I made a ramp there, and then there's like another <laughs> like, and then we could you could rip up there on the mini bikes. You're in the yard, and then you rip up a small ramp past the garden. And then rip back past the house. Just don't hit the generator. And then you're back on the pavement, and you get back down. It's a huge track, and we could totally do flat track racing, and still have people partying in the middle. I think if you really want to show your neighbors who's the boss, we need to go about two feet into their yards. Very neighborly indeed, huh? <laughs> there's like four foot, five foot tall blackberry bushes in between us. So. <laughs> like the boundary you know on the other yes. side is a so. nice hey um misfits uh for those of you who i sent some emails to read can you get those ready i want to yeah. read some emails and answer some questions yeah um, plus we got some some good uh some good feedback um who has one ready to read i got one go ahead knock all right, this one's from uh, our friend Stephen Gardner, and yeah. it's titled, A Wife Got a Scooter. Exclamation mark. Finally have my wife on two wheels. She bought a Kimco-like 150i. Would you ask Bagel which website he, he would recommend for parts and accessories? I feel all the motorcycle websites don't really have anything at all. Um, closest scooter shop is about an hour away, so I think you'll end up ordering some stuff online to get the little things as needed. Um, he feels like there's a secret scooter underground. There's definitely is, <laughs> uh, like a dark web for scooters or scoot web, if you will. So, uh, yeah. What do you think, Bagel? Well, um, 
that's a good question. I'm I'm not that familiar with Timco's never having owned one myself. Never but, mind. <laughs> but but I, I do know that there are there are a lot of Kimco dealers out there. So like, any Kimco dealer that does mail order should be able to send you parts, I would think. Um, AF1 in Houston, I believe, is a Kimco, or not Houston, uh, says, um, Austin, Texas, Phil, is, I believe, a Kimco dealer. Phil, Phil used to be, I think. He, I remember he had K-pipes at one time. Well, that's true, but I don't know if he really does mail order, though. Mm. Um, you, know, you can call and see if he might be able to send you something if you need it. Um, but um, I'm trying to think of other shops that, that I know for sure specialize in Kimco. I'm sure that there are some out there. I just don't know them off the top of my head. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, try try a, a Kimco dealers to see if they'll send you parts, um, or AF one in uh, Austin. Those would be my recommendations. Is this uh, is this person based in Austin? They didn't say here. I think you might have gotten a version of it to it. No, but AF one does mail order, so they can order online oh, okay. and have it okay. shipped to them. Yeah, I love that he thinks that there's a dark web for scooters. <laughs> I, I wish that there was enough uh, enough enthusiasm about scooters to, to necessitate a dark web, but maybe someday. <laughs> Buying parts with Bitcoin, untraceable. Right, right. <laughs> hey, it's pretty easy. Just uh, go to your local downtown, look for the dude carrying a motorcycle helmet and wearing flip flops. That's your guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like from what I understand, there's a total aside from the whole underground thing. There's like a huge, awesome scooter culture, and uh, she'll probably get into that. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Emma, I sent you an email. Did you get it to read? No, let's have a look. Yes, I did actually. So let me go <laughs> on to my email. Um, here we go. Okay. And this this email is. Yeah. From Tim. Yes. Tim Clifton. Yes. Hey, Misfits. This is Tim hey. from Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> All right. um, you may recall that I emailed you back in January expressing my love for the Mimi and Moto books and sharing a photo of my daughter Vespa on mm. a CRF 50 with her Mimi and Moto shirt. I remember Yay. that very, very nice. well. He's another great Moto dad. He is. Um, anyway, he continues. At that time, I also had a trip scheduled in May to visit the garage while I was going mm -hmm. to be in the Bay Area for work. Right. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, that trip naturally got cancelled. Yep. I was really looking forward to meeting you all, and I was stoked to ride around the Redwoods, the PCH, and everything else in NorCal. Oh, well, this just means we will have to reschedule once this crazy shit calms down. Well, that's not very dad-like language, Tim. <laughs> Come on now. Um, or is it? Or is it? Um, I mentioned in my last email that I built my own electric motorcycle. Well, here's a photo of it, albeit a boring photo since you can't see the innards, complete with me and a sweet Misfits T-shirt. Thanks. Keep up awesome. the great work for the motorcycle community, and I'll get out there for a visit sometime in the future. And get well, Knock. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Great email, Tim. There you go. Nice. Looking then, very handsome standing next to his electric motorbike, I might add. And then, uh, Bagel, did I send you one? Yes. You ready? I have 
Yes, I have an email from Noah Eastman. Yes. And Noah is from British Columbia, Canada. So go ahead, use that accent. Yeah. So uh, Noah says, uh, good day, Misfits. I'm uh, wondering if you can help me uh, with my dad's 1980 Yamaha 250 XT Enduro. Uh, it has a tick in the top end. I've checked and adjusted the valves, but it just didn't change back change how bad the tick is i want to get it running better because i just got a 2019 yamaha 250 xt enduro so i want to go riding with him if you can help that would be awesome all right emma tick in the top end did the valves is this going to be uh, uh it's flat cam, isn't it yeah it's flat cam yeah it's a flat cam you want to yeah. just take a second and explain what that means so a flat cam and it's very very common on single cylinder bikes because they're very very tall so remind me what bike it was an XT two fifty. XT two fifty Enduro, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you imagine the oil pump is at the bottom of the engine because it has to pick up oil from the pan. And it's got to pump it all the way up to the very, very top of the engine to the camshaft. Yeah. In an XT250 or really any other late model Japanese bike, the camshaft is the greediest out of everything. It needs the most oil. Yep. So it's got a long way to go. And if you neglect the oil a bit, the camshaft's going to suffer. So what happens is the valves are open and closed by what's called lobes on the camshaft. And if you were to cut the cross-section of a lobe, it'd be a nice kind of egg shape. It'd look like an egg. And when they run dry on oil, the egg gets a flat bit on top. And the bit that rubs against it, which is called the rocker or the follower, also gets a corresponding flat spot on it. And as the sharp edges of the flat spot, you hear the click, 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 click. Unfortunately, you, it, it's... It's an engine out job, engine out, you need a camshaft and you need followers. It ain't cheap. And when you put it all together, you need plenty of camshaft assembly lube. So camshaft, followers, follow the destructions, camshaft assembly lube. And the moment that engine fires, you've got a break in the camshaft. And this is very, very important. So you bring the engine up to a specific RPM, say 2,000 RPM, and you hold it there for about 15 minutes and you break in that camshaft. If you've got a big um, floor fan, that's perfect, especially if it's a chillier day. because so You need to get some airflow over that engine because you're just going to be sitting there at 2,000 RPM breaking in your cam. You've done this job, Nock. Yeah, I actually wanted to show you that we're... Um, yeah, the there you go. Oftentimes, will wear with the rockers, and this is what I pulled out of my XR. The cams are completely fucking dusted and flat. But it's gone to the point... Yeah, it's, it's gone... Yeah, past the point of the hard facing on the rockers, and it's actually eaten into the apparent metal. And Damn. so my bike was still running, and it was doing crazy wheelie shit. And you know, it's like a Honda, right? But like, this is how bad it was, and it was. Yeah, a and I mean, you know, it's it actually it didn't sound that bad. I mean, me yeah. running downstairs in my stilettos are no, uh, louder than your bike, right? But the carnage, and remember, you're losing metal. Yeah, and that metal's got to go somewhere. 
So yeah. sooner or later, you're going to plug up the screen in the bottom of the engine. You know, XT250s have got marginal lubrication anyway. So you know what? Fix it. Sorry to be the bearer of doom and gloom, but I ain't going to sugarcoat it. You got a flat cam. And I was actually going to say, when you do that job and you're ready to break it in, give me a call. I'll give you Mike's address. Uh, go over there. That's going to be the place you want to hold it open because he wants to show yeah. his neighbors who's the boss. What better way yeah, than to do that? Yeah, that'd be about right. Then <laughs> <laughs> to break in a cam, right? Yeah, we got good work lights, no dead possums. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I like it all. Hey, I got uh, one more email to read, and this is a good one. Um, and this goes back to a few episodes ago when we were talking about cool tools. And Claudia, she sent us in uh, her favorite tool, which is a chain alignment laser. I have oh, one cool. of those. Things are awesome. Wow. She says, yeah. um, yeah, so she says, I really like my chain alignment laser tool. It makes it super easy to align the wheel after changing tires. Attached is a picture. Um, it's on from a German website. Um, yeah, it's called the Profi Cat. Yeah, it says, uh, let me see. Back to, uh, she's still stuck in her home office. Things aren't quite back to normal yet. But lots of people on bikes and on the roads. This is in corona in switzerland uh restaurants are open public life feels very much normal the swiss borders are open again we went to italy last weekend for some off-roading and no problems and i get lots of newsletters at track days have started back up all over europe so things okay. are getting back to normal this is the uh, chain alignment laser i don't have yep. one of those you don't need one why you don't but it's nice to have yeah it's nice to have but you can do it with string mm -hmm. yeah but no i like buying cool tools but it's a well, I know laser. That, but I'm cheap, so I, I, I like doing it with string. But yeah. it's a laser. Yeah, it was just the laser part sold me. I was like, laser technology, I'm going to look right into it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Can so, I stick it on my head? <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so, John, <laughs> do you do your own wrenching? Um, the majority. Uh, it, it, as I've gotten older, um, I've gotten lazier. Yes. And, uh, a little more likely to drop it off to get basic stuff done, but um, I've got a fully equipped garage and do you know all the oil changes and valve adjustments and that sort of thing. So, uh, do you have a favorite tool? Oh goodness, a favorite tool. Well, lately I have a favorite tool. Oh, let's hear. It has multi-purpose. Oh, and it's it's a laser. <gasps> what? Ah. <laughs> so I have a laser temperature gun. Yeah. Oh, oh you're yeah. awesome. Right? But it has all new purpose in the COVID era. We keep it by the front door and we shoot everybody's head when they come in to see what <laughs> Now we know it's safe to come into the house or not. Yeah, I, I can think, stand still. I can think of nothing better than shooting strangers' heads with a laser. <laughs> what could be better? Exactly. No, that's the best. <laughs> so it's a freaking laser. Yeah. I have a question. John and I were chatting earlier, and he was going through all the bikes he's owned, and and uh, you know, going from the BMW to the Tiger, I thought was interesting. But I'm curious, like John, do you have something on your radar, like like maybe a monkey Ooh, bike or a, a Ducati, or is there something or a Vespa, <laughs> or a Vespa? <laughs> what 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 might be down the road for you? Um, so I, the most of the bikes that I have fill most of my needs: sport bike, off-road bike, tour bike, you know that kind of thing. Venture tour bike. 
uh, I rode uh, when they were still experimenting with it. I rode the Harley uh, uh, electric bike, the yeah, live wire. Live wire, yeah. Um, I have friends in the industry and had a chance to go ride it when they were still designing it. And that's the first time I rode an electric bike. And it was quite intriguing. So what's kind of on my radar is like a zero maybe or something like that. I think an electric bike would be a lot of fun. That's cool. That's Very a good cool. one. Other than Triumphs, I can see you on a Triumph bobber, I think. I think a bobber looks pretty good for you. Bobber's pretty cool. Um, I, I like the Scrambler even. The 1200 Scrambler yeah. pretty neat. Yeah. Scrambler Just so you I know, it looks like you're wearing a tiny hat. I am. (laughs) 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 Well, John, I I think that Jim's question is a perfect segue into our next question. And I I hope you know what this question is, because we ask all of our guests this question. But I didn't I didn't prepare you. So, John, here we go. Here we go. It's going to be off the cuff and made up. And I hope your family can hear this question right now. And I hope they don't know what this question means. (laughs) I'm reasonably confident, having listened to all of your podcasts from the very first one, what this question is. Okay. So, John, I want to know what is your up the butt bike? Oh, boy. Gotcha. 1973 Kawasaki 903Z1. The man knows. Oh. The man knows. That's a good one. That's a good one, dude. So in 1973, when the Z1 came out, I was uh, in high school at the time, and I put a deposit down on one to buy the one of the very first ones in my town. Oh wow! And then the girls were involved. I had a date, and she really thought that I should own a car because it would better dating equipment. And yeah. I got deposit back and bought a car. Aww. Yeah. That's the all right. Was gone, but if I had kept the Kawasaki, I'd still have it. And, you know, the interesting thing, John, it's the 754 gets all the limelight because it was the first. But, oh, God, I'm going to upset some 750 oh, owners now. <laughs> Trouble's about but, to come. But that fucking Z1, it is just so glamorous. And it's, 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 it's light years ahead of the Honda. The Honda, as nice as it was, and everyone knows I like 750 Hondas, but even at the last one in 78, it still looked like a 1960s bike. Mm-hmm. That Z1... That was a mo- that was a rock star looking bike from the moment it rolled off the line all the way through the Mark IIs up till 1980. It was a brilliant you know looking bike. They just crushed the styling. They're crushed so it. cool. They're so cool. Kawasaki made a modern version of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nowhere near it. I tell you what, though. That, I, I agree with your comments. I think the 73, the original style is still the prettiest motorcycle of its era it's oh, it's oh, like far. it's like the camaro of the motorcycle world oh uh, agreed in <laughs> <laughs> uh, its original like root beer color that yeah that, uh, Bitch and, camaro. And, what, and what was interesting um that root beer color they actually sourced that paint from three different suppliers in japan and there are three different shades to it and it's got nothing to do with engine or frame numbers you know it's who grabbed the paint can that particular day 
mm-hmm. and they're all accepted at concourse events. Oh, really? And there's quite a there's quite a variation between the three of them. They're all basically the same, the root beer and orange. Yeah. But there's there's quite a variation. Um but just crushingly handsome bike. Um Well and speaking of nice paint, we had a beautiful bike visit the garage this this day. Yeah, oh, you yeah. had a gold blimey five hundred. We had a gold yeah. blimey five hundred in that oh, beautiful, wow. beautiful dark, dark green. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so uh, Gamora came by, and she's had this bike. I think she said like eight years, so quite a long time. Oh, it's Gamora's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She has a couple of cool bikes. Um, yeah, that was a, a sweet ride, though. But everything yeah. looked beautiful on that bike. The we, thing- we talked about a little bit, but talk a little more about like why did Honda run with that? Where did how was it was Honda? Was that just like the flavor of the month at the time? Like why did you Honda know, a, the a GB- British cafe racer? So we've talked about this before. Yeah, Honda's attitude from day one was. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter whether you're old or young. It doesn't matter whether you're sporty or what. I'm going to make a bike for you. So once you understand that logic, you understand why Honda often went out in left field and built bikes that you think, what the hell were they thinking? Because they were going to make a bike for everyone. And Honda always were very very fascinated with british cafe racer culture long and this was long before the resurgence worldwide really in probably about 10 15 years ago there was a second resurgence um in the late 70s and very early 80s when a film called quadrophenia came out and yeah. there was a resurgence of the mod culture and the rocker culture you'll remember it very clearly yeah, John. for sure yeah and yeah. that was kind of like the first resurgence of it and the gb 500 kind of rode on the tails of that it was just a factory cafe racer um i've got mixed feelings about them they were if they weren't so damned expensive i'd like them a lot more but you paid a great deal of money for that bike back in the day yeah but honda did better bikes for less money and i have a question though name any modern retro production bike that was successful None of them are the the modern Z that we're talking about the W six fifty. Oh, they're all flops. They're yeah. all flops. Any modern Wait. retro has been a flop. Every Wait, single one, but the they become high. Z is a flop. Do we have actual compared to other bikes? You mean the Z like this compared to other bikes? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, com- what's what's yeah. deemed a success? What's deemed a failure? Right, because it's been in the lineup since 2017. Well, yes, I, mean, I know, but the but the Z900 outsells it four to one. So for every one of the retro Z900s they sell, they sell four of the Z900s. You know, the transformer-looking right. one, four to one. Sure, I mean, but it's like a different era, though. You know, like yeah, uh, well, but it's a limited versus- market. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I, I like them, um, but, you know, it's a mixed bag for me. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I get you. I like, you know. I like I, the real deal. I know you like the real deal, and then I know there's, a like, an emotional component to, like, 
these old school bikes that you're into and i totally get it it just the the new stuff just you know that kind of new stuff is uh it's it's contrived for some people you know i get it i think you've nailed it because you know the gb 500 was just a little bit contrived for me yeah I can you know, remember but, coming out, uh, uh, you know, when, when it first appeared and seeing it in the dealership at the time, and it seemed to be both expensive for what it was relative to its performance, and it seemed, it felt like a bit of a Honda styling exercise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. feel authentic. Right, exactly. And, yeah. you know, it's right next to it was the Hawk GT, oh, which, which was a brand cheaper Except for the gas tank, it was awesome. Right. The, um, the thing I find fascinating, though, all of these modern retros are a flop. Oh, and Mike has to go. Bye, Mike. Um, they're all flop, but they all become highly collectible after. Yeah, because they, they sell in such few rarity. numbers. Oh, yeah, I remember in the mid-90s, so so the GB being like an 89, 90, and by like 96, you could still find them in crates in warehouses, like people just wanted to dump them because they yeah i think i up until like 10 years ago i still heard of people finding created gbs but now they're worth like eight ten grand it's amazing um same with the the cowie the w650 and now they have the new w right yeah which is a cool looking bike but i remember when that w650 came out i went oh that's interesting it looks like a fake triumph it looks like a chinese knockoff of something it, exactly it, and now they command quite a price yeah but here's an interesting conversation i had with my then manager jim leonard at monterey peninsula power sports so the new retro kawasaki came in if root bear and orange so this would have been 20 it was the end of 2017 mm-hmm. and it's like boom emma you gotta buy this bike it's completely you and so I looked at the bike and I liked it very much and he would have done me a killer deal on it but then I went on to the Japanese aftermarket parts website and I realized to make it the bike I wanted which meant was the headlight would have to go the turn signals would have to go the Mm -hmm. wheels would have to go the exhaust would have to go. And so we'd end up with wire wheels, chrome turn signals, chrome four into fours. And I was buying a $9,000 bike and then I would spend 12 on it to make it what I wanted. And it just didn't make any sense. We were down in Vegas, what, three years ago, Liza, for the Mm -hmm. AIM show? And uh, we we test rode a ton of bikes. Yeah, Knock, we were on that ride. You rode a Kawasaki, a small display, mm-hmm. right? But I rode, yeah. the Z, I rode that Z900 in the root beer kind of red color. Beautiful. And I tell you, that bike rode sweet for an inline four, and I like the inline four. Oh, so they're bitching bikes. But you know what it struck me as? I've been out of, you know, I used to ride when I was younger. This was the bike, like, you know, bike I had back then or something similar. Um, yeah. I want something I can ride on the weekends, you know, maybe a couple hundred miles on a weekend and then keep in the garage. And that, that was yeah. the market I saw for it, which isn't a huge market, I guess. I don't know. Hey, you know, I wanted to make a correction because a few minutes ago I said, you know, what a modern retro has been successful. And then I remembered of some very current successful ones. Boy, for I'm instance, feel- the Cub and the Monkey. 
Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are, well, really, no, hang on. The yeah. cub is not successful. No. It's beautifully made. Yeah. But it's not a okay. sales success, and I'll tell you why. America had a love affair with the original Monkey Bite. Mm-hmm. Not so much with the cub. And I know a lot of people got their start on a cub, and but there isn't that same visceral love with it. And that is why as soon as you get a monkey in stock, it's gone. The cubs you have to sell a little bit more. Okay. Now, in Europe, it's a different story. They've had a love affair with the cub um, since... And in Asia as well with the cub, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. A lot of cubs in Asia. The so, so, monkey, you yeah. see that, at least for somebody, you know, ancient like me, and you immediately think QA50 from the late right. 60s, early well, 70s. Then, and that's exactly, you are the target audience for the monkey. Then maybe the monkey is the first successful modern retro production bike. Well, so it, I guess you'd, you'd have to contextualize it on where these items are sold like europe asia yeah. versus america i guess find success what the success yeah well yeah. that's what the big manufacturer would de- define as success not us well, right. what, where would you place something like the bonneville product line it, it comes to my mind as being maybe yeah. the most yeah you're successful. right yeah you're right i mean those are um not, not they're knockoffs of them of themselves it's just but a you continuation know, it, yeah much as i love them you know, they're not great selling bikes. Yeah. Oh, is that you right? Know, well, you know, we, no. we no, they're not. I mean, it, Triumph Triumph is not a volume manufacturer. Oh, uh, yeah. In terms of raw numbers, okay. you, you can take In the terms of raw numbers, I mean, yeah, I think the Bonneville and the T100. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, it, it's pr- easily their best selling model. Well, yeah. um, tell you what, but, we. I think this is a conversation that can be continued, and I'd like to hear from others out there of bikes yeah. that they consider as modern retro production bikes. Let us know if you think that they're successful or not. Um, and also, remember last week we played that game, the name game challenge, uh, animal named bikes, right? Yeah, I failed. You failed. You buckled. <laughs> Emma, I'm going to give you one more chance to make up because we had some people email me. There was a really obvious common name that we completely missed. I'm going to give you a clue. Remember I said it could be make model or a commonly used nickname. In this case, it is a commonly used nickname. Very hog. There it is. We missed out. We missed the hog. It was the hog. And I mean, of course, (laughs) and you know, you you think of so many afterwards. There was the Kawasaki Bison. Yeah, you know, dirt bike, <laughs> and then you get into all the 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 ATVs, the Kodiaks, and the so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I thought of plenty afterwards, but I crushed, I caved under pressure, darling. You did, but you made up for it now with the hog. I can't believe hog. we all missed that one. Yeah. So thank you. They're so obvious that you kind of like, well, obviously a hog, right? Know. So yeah. thank you to the listeners who emailed in that obvious yeah. answer that we missed. Obviously. You know, it is a fairly typical bonehead misfit move for getting the hog. So I stand by it. I mean, we're idiots. <laughs> 
Exactly. Um, and just in another announcement, um, we did another thing yesterday. Mm. We did a we did a Emma and I and Bagel and Jim and uh, we recorded some more episodes of Oh yeah the Misfits nice. for okay. YouTube. I'm looking forward to it. I am too, and we also as we continue along on this journey, we are learning from our mistakes. We are indeed. I am learning mm-hmm. that um, I have to stay sober and I have to keep my clothes on. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Lessons Still learning it for all these years, huh? Still learning hey, it for all these years. Hey, hey, that's not the way to get clicks. <laughs> yeah, I know that, <laughs> I know that, but we're going for the family audience. Oh, oh I see. So I'm yeah, working yeah. on uh, editing those. Unfortunately, this is yet another episode that we've lost <laughs> like we did the first time we so the first time we went out we filmed two episodes lost both of them because i bought a cheap camera that was out of focus um and this time we learned another lesson because the camera uh tilted down and no one was watching it my head was cut off for half the episode <laughs> oh man so you didn't have a camera uh, operator behind the camera no because we're running two cameras and we only had oh okay yeah the one is just sitting on a tripod you just leave it alone yeah the you other one is one you're panning and zooming and stuff. You don't have a spare screen that you could use as a monitor, do you? You can just kind of run it live. I do. We didn't think of it. Like it I said, we, we could have done it except we had to wrangle a chihuahua the whole time. <laughs> this is true. There, yeah. So Little Let discovered that the garage doors open, came running in, was crashing our film shoot. Yeah. Oh, Little. Yeah. yeah. In the cutest way possible. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Can we have an episode where I just stand in the corner petting the dog and not say anything? I of mean, course. I feel like that's the only way I can be in this without fucking it up. <laughs> well, that's like every Sunday at the garage that you're there. This is true. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so. we just film, you know, knock with the dog next next time, and <laughs> we got another film. So. Yeah. John, you came up to visit us today, and unfortunately, still with the whole COVID stuff, it's not as social of an environment as it used to be, and we try and keep some distance and stuff like that. So no more of the naked pool parties. Sorry about that. Um, But I'm hoping that you'll come up another time, maybe when uh, things get a little more relaxed and uh, we can, uh, you know, pull out the baby pool and you can jump in. I look forward to it. It's uh, hot chicks. any good excuse to ride between Paso and uh, in Santa Cruz is a good excuse. Carmel Valley Road, Highway One. There's all there sorts of ways to waste yeah, my time. Buddy. Or maybe oh, I'll oh, set yeah. up the mini bike challenge course. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you like that one? Wait till you hit the teeter totter. It's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> That is pretty frightening. It is. It is. But it really did prepare me for a lot of the uh, the, the things at Jocelyn's <laughs> camp. I was like, teeter-totter? I got this. <laughs> Not so hard. When I remember when I built the teeter-totter and added an extra log, so you actually got really high. That got sketchy. That mm, Yeah, so I, wow. can, I can build a pretty scary mini bike track. But, John, I hope you come back again and join us. You're welcome, as is anyone else. If you want to come hang out with us on a Sunday, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. I enjoyed doing so both, you know, here on the on the, the Zoom meeting as well as in person uh, today at the shop. It was really nice to see it all in, in, in person, so to speak, and visit. 
but also uh, let me thank you in general for what you're doing. I've been listening to the podcast since the very first one. And oh, I really man. Enjoy it. It's been uh, a, a very enjoyable uh, experience and keeping up with you all and hearing all your, um, let's call them activities. Uh, yes. <laughs> creative activities. <laughs> as well as the maintenance work that goes on. You you do uh, good service, not only with the podcast, but with what you're doing with the garage. Thank you for doing it, not just for me, but for the motorcycle community. Appreciate oh, thanks, it. John. Well, thank you. Thank you for the kind of words, man. Appreciate it. Really nice. I've, I've often John. speculated about why we are popular, John, and I think it, it, it's generally because we are boneheads. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> if we were perfect, it wouldn't be very fun, but... You know, we're we're a bunch of boneheads, and we make mistakes, and we own it, and we I, have a lot of fun doing it. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I listen to a variety of motorcycle podcasts pretty regularly, Moto GPOD, and you know, but by racing ones uh, as well as adventure riding ones. But you guys fill a very important niche, a sort of community niche, and as you just described, a sort of um, everyman feeling right uh, exactly uh, it's around your garage when a bunch of friends hang out with you nobody could accuse us of taking ourselves too seriously i think no. it's i think that it's would be accurate i think it's because we are a bunch of misfits and so many people can can relate to that i think you're right i'll say my yeah. favorite part of, my favorite part of john's visit today is you helped me finish off the first tire change i've ever done so thank you very much it may i, I might still be able to tire stick your hand in there. all over and i'm going to take a guess here i haven't looked at my list but based upon the shirts that you guys are wearing at the garage today are you a patreon supporter of us john i am thank you very much i wanted to thank you for that Oh, you're welcome. Nice. And you had the whole collection too. It was awesome. <laughs> I know. I do. I, I have the one that I'm wearing now, one of the yeah, yeah. original-ish ones yeah. from way back. Yeah, and I, uh, I, my, my wife was uh, rather jealous of my uh, misfits. Uh, <laughs> so I bought her one uh, just a few weeks back. Ah, yes. Nice. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And just uh, I'll use that as a reminder to anyone else. If you would like to uh, show the love and become a Patreon supporter, we would appreciate it so much. And you can go on to Patreon and type in Motorcycles and Misfits Podcast. You'll find us there. And I still have some of the new shirts left. I have one extra large left and uh, a few of the larges. So if you become a Patreon supporter, $5 or more, uh, you can still get a free T-shirt. And they look good. They do. They do. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. They do. So I think that's the opportunity to thank you again um, for, you know, for joining us. Thank you for being a supporter. Thank you to all of our other listeners and supporters. I mean, yeah, we're doing it. I mean, we have fun talking to each other, but we appreciate so much all the people out there who enjoy our banter and uh, just being a bunch of misfits. So thank you to everyone out there. Um I think uh, we got anything else coming up other than our big trip, Jim, that we need to plan for. Yeah. When is that? When is that? In End of July. three weeks, dude, I think. Damn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, cook. I, I figure we'll cook. We'll just shop wherever we end up locally and we'll cook. I will cook the regional fair of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you cook whatever we kill on the road. Yeah, right. or or that's up. a lot of beef jerky man it's <laughs> good you cook it right oh man yeah. july oh, moto gp comes back too yeah really oh, yeah, yeah yeah i think uh, oh, where will they be 
Where are they at? Uh, Jerez, I think. Jerez, yeah. Uh, I think it's in Spain. Uh, yeah. The kickoff. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Great. Good news. Cool. And just, um, you haven't asked yet, Liza. Yes. I suspect you are going to ask me to run the garage, aren't you? Yes. Please. One week, two weeks? Uh, the last two weeks of July. Last two weeks. Okay, yeah. so we will rename Recycle Garage to Emma's Reign of Terror. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening, Bagel? <laughs> real mystery hole. The real mystery hole. Can I make That's it? Right. I would like to hear it named uh, Emma's Cozy Cave. <laughs> uh, 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 there's always plenty of room in my cozy it's, cave for all my chums. It's, it's a damp and nice cave. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, Emma, we haven't done a Human. history hole in a while. You want to do a history hole next week? Yeah, I think I might do a history hole next week. Do you need any recommendations? Well, you know, I, I always like I always like listener recommendations. I do too. They're always really good. Well, you know, um, I suge I suggest you know you um, send in a recommendation for a history hole right quick, yeah. so I can do a little bit of research. And how do they reach us? That's a very good question. <laughs> Recycle Motorcycle Garage at gmail.com. Oh, the there it show is. Up at the garage. That's how you reach it. Yeah, either there show you. up. That's the best one. Or send your email to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can also go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You'll find a contact link there. That will also get us through. So uh, I think we're ready to get out of here. Don't forget to go to RevSisters.com. Get your free ticket to the the Black Hills Moto Film Festival. And, uh, yeah, send us the email with a history hole. You guys ready to wrap it up? Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. This is Liza. This is Doc. Emma Darling. Bagel. John. Thank <laughs> you, Jim, son. Hey, and we are out of here. Ah, cool, cool.